Welcome to the Quick and Painless Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Carter Gray. Uh, I am here flying solo tonight, but this is a special episode. Although I don't have my wingman here, Dylan, uh, I do have a guest we're going to do a special interview episode with one of the premier young talents on the independent wrestling scene, Bradley Prescott the Fourth. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about his upbringing, where he started in, in independent wrestling, where he's going, uh, some of his goals, some of his trials, some of his tribulations, uh, his inspirations, and, and everything in between. So if you like independent wrestling, then great. If not, I don't care. You're here anyway, so you might as well listen. So, without further ado, here is my interview with none other than the natural light heavyweight, Bradley Prescott the Fourth. Okay, so a uh, little little special episode we got going here today. Uh, rather than having Dylan at the helm, we're going to do a special little interview episode. And my guest today or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, is none other than the natural light heavyweight, Bradley Prescott the Fourth. How you doing there, Bradley? Hey, I'm living the dream all day, every day, drinking a natty, enjoying. Yeah, unfortunately, we we've been talking for twelve minutes um, before before I hit record, so the the listeners at home didn't get the uh, the chance to hear you actually open one of those natural lights. We'll put that up on the Patreon that I'm going to convince you to start up eventually. <laughs> People already don't listen to this for free, <laughs> let alone having to pay for it. So I don't I don't know if that's going to work. We'll figure it out somehow, probably. Now, did I pronounce that correctly? Was my was my emphasis correct? It has to be natural light heavyweight, right? Correct. It all uh, it all came to me in a dream. And by a dream, <laughs> I mean uh, the remastered Starcade when uh, Gold Dust came out as the natural Dustin Reynolds. I was uh, early in my wrestling career, young Bradley, and uh, I was like, "Man, that'd be cool to call yourself the natural." And I was like, "Well, what if I suck?" <laughs> and then uh after a couple natural lights later i'm like well you know i'm you know under 205 i'm not the heaviest guy in the world definitely not a heavyweight i am a light heavyweight though and i want to call myself the natural screw it and then the two just blended together in a in a dark haze and i woke up the next day with the idea i love it i remember uh i remember when i first saw you post that and now granted i could have been late to the party but i remember seeing it and i was like that's a great idea. That's that's so easily marketable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's evolved a lot to with, uh, you know, becoming the natty daddy, uh, <laughs> the natter day saint, the greatest wrestler from the natitude era, no. uh, the notorious NAT. I love it when you sip big lockers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the names go on and on. It's if you ever just watch any of my intros, they go for about five minutes. I hit a time limit draw just before the bell rings. <laughs> I was going to ask if you've had a ring announcer that really, you know, brings uh, brings the heat when he's when he's saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's my boy, Jay Rose. Um, he's the ultimate ring announcer. He's like 
one of the top ring announcers for IWTV. Um, he's GCW's current ring announcer for the most part. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Announces for St. Louis Anarchy, Paradigm Pro Wrestling. Um, I mean, he's done a ton of different ones, but he just, the intensity he brings to anybody's entrance, let alone mine with my, no joke, probably 15 to 20 nicknames, monikers, um, and he has them all memorized just to where he can ramble them off like nothing is amazing because I don't even remember them half the time. You know how I know that, that you are, are legit, like, tight with this guy? <laughs> is that I told you already that no one listens to this, and you just spent a good, like, 45 seconds putting him over. Hey, he's the greatest <laughs> dude in the world, I'm telling you. He used to be known as Wrestling sw- army swiss knife because he was my video editor when he first started like i owe him owe him so much because i'm still a nobody and he spent so much time trying to make me like look super cool when i'm impossible to look cool because half the time i'm drunk off my ass <laughs> and i don't know if swearing's allowed swearing's good right uh oh yeah yeah okay i, I usually uh i usually play to like the pg-13 rules which is like you know you can say shit and ass and damn and hell Okay. Um, and then you're allowed one f bomb, which I try. I try to to you know. You save it for the big high spot. I, that's exactly right. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of tension, and then all of a sudden, boom. You get it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Speaking. Okay, you said GCW. Um, how much hey, you've worked for them a couple times before, right? Uh, I worked for when they rocked the Wombat Show in a. Uh, Tullahoma or wherever we were in Tennessee, I got to work the Wombat show when they brought that back. That was pretty entertaining. Yeah. And Uh, then you were supposed to be, there was one that was going to be here in Virginia, right? That that one was NGW, which was, there's an awesome company also. They are super good to me for no reason. Once again, I don't see myself as, you know, a great wrestler or anything like that. I'm a dude who drinks and has fun. Um, but for some reason they like me and they bring me in and they're putting me on cards with Alex Shelley and Matt Cross and uncle rich Swan, like all these insane dudes. And for some reason they just said they were going to run a show in Virginia. And I thought, you know, I was going to be out there and convince you to come out of retirement and just fight me. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh the show got canceled thanks to early covid yeah dude i was really looking forward to that too i uh <clears throat> i don't make it out to too many shows mostly because of the purgatory that i live in um right but uh but yeah if if and when you know there's something near near me or i'm near something uh for example i used to travel up to jersey um semi often um in my my former life and then um yeah i would go to i would go to dojo wars or whatever uh, at those those days but yeah a little different now um and then hopefully we're eventually going to live in a post-covid world and um you know at that time i really i really am trying to be committed to get around and, and seeing more things regardless if it's close or not nice i'm here for it totally but enough about me. Um, so I told you that I am going to be um, or not be a, a cliche as much as possible. But I feel like it's very important for everybody listening for you to just 
kind of give us your background. Where did you come from? You know, why, why wrestling? Um, yeah, all of that. Why? Yeah. So you're, you're stealing my, uh, I'll call it my podcast idea that I've never actually, you know, ever recorded because I film a stupid Saturday morning talk show that's live that we pre-record never on a Saturday live. Um, so basically I want a whole podcast called just the origin story. Mm-hmm. And I just want, I don't want to hear anything about wrestling. I want to hear what happened in your life to make you a wrestler. Right. Um, but you know, I had decently average, um, normal, I'll call it upbringing. Well, listen, I carved out like six hours. So <laughs> start at the beginning. I mean, yeah. One of my so favorite. I'm born a baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good start. But I was born uh, in Laguna Hills, California. I did not uh, realize this. Yeah, I was born in the OC. This okay. is when you play the uh, OC's theme song. I uh, see. Okay, eventually, <laughs> this is gonna go on YouTube, and I think I would get uh, I would get it removed. Yeah, probably. What if 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 I sing it? Does it count? I don't know. It depends on how accurately you sing it. You know what? I've been told I sound just like the guy, so I prob- I'll pass this time. Yeah, good call. A couple, couple more natter days in, I might just <laughs> randomly start belting it out. I love it. And I will attempt to join you. I'll be the background good. singer. Or yes. at least the background dancer. Good. No one can confirm or deny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at a really young age, I moved to a very small town in Illinois adjacent to St. Louis, Missouri. So I think that's where my uh, natural light upbringings began <laughs> because, uh, obviously, all natural light products are made by Anheuser-Busch, and uh, Anheuser-Busch is St. Louis. Um, between, you know, going to Bush Stadium, all my childhood, grew up a great big baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, um, and then they have obviously Bush Gardens. They have Grant's Farm is where they keep the Clydesdales. They have uh, the St. Louis Zoo is basically free because the amount of money that they give them. So, like, I owe a lot to Anheuser-Busch. And yeah. then, you know, as I got a little bit older, then I started drinking them a lot. Um, so you paid them out. back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they helped out the wallet, too, being, you know, a very reasonably priced alcoholic beverage. Yep. Yep, you that's get the true. old uh, Dirty 30 pack for like 15 bucks in some places. Yep. They just brought out their seltzers. They have, like I said, the Natter Days I'm here for. Yeah, the seltzers, but, you know, they, they try to make sure that you're still in, in ring shape. Yep, exactly. Yep. Got to keep the six pack and the keg on. <laughs> yes. But uh, then when I was about, what was I, 18, I moved out to Indiana um that's where we met um and i also started my wrestling training there it started a couple years later than what i was aiming for i was uh wanting to get into wrestling i was at a good place in my life uh i think i hit you up i hit up colt cabana randomly i slid in his twitter dms and loves people and i was like hey where do i go train and i think you and cabana both said uh school of rock cabana said that too Yes. Nice. And it was like literally six months after Billy shut down the school. So that's terrible. I went back to square one, went back to Googling because people are really bad at promoting their companies. Um, Not only are people bad at promoting their companies. I've, this has been my, not to cut you off. This has been my biggest complaint 
about the wrestling industry since day one. We somehow are in still in like the dark ages of the internet. Like no idea. You would think everyone still has a dial up mode or, or no internet at all. I mean, most, I don't want to say most, but a good portion of, of wrestling promotions, their websites are on like geo cities or like angel fire or something, or it's like a MySpace page. Yep. It's just a link to a Facebook account. That's no longer active. (laughs) Exactly. Because the amount of time I spent Googling, wrestling schools around indianapolis indiana and <laughs> trying professional wrestling trying pro wrestling trying literally every keyword you could think of trying to find it uh only results i got is you probably remember this the czw dojo in bloomington from like 15 years ago popped up still whoa i didn't even know that was uh, a thing yeah i I didn't either. Evidently, they ran a dojo down in Bloomington for it must have been a very short amount of time because I messaged them on Facebook and they're like, yeah, no, we shut down. Where do you live? I I answered Indianapolis and they just ghosted me. (laughs) Um, Can't help you. It took me so long to find anyone that I finally found uh, Congo Kong School. Yes. But that was it was about three hours drive each way and I was starting a new job. I became a personal trainer and I was taking over a gym and a whole bunch of stuff and I was like, I can't commit uh six hours, three days a week to just driving, let alone wrestling practice on top of that. Yep. So I put off the put off the dream for about two years and then literally just scrolling Instagram uh while I'm nonsensing around. I type in like Indiana pro wrestling or something as a hashtag and some random person put a video of them at WCWO wrestling and I slid right in their DMs. I'm like, Hey man, how far is this from Indianapolis? Do they train people? Blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And they hit me up with uh, yeah, man, just show up. This is you ready for the greatest Carney story ever on how this promoter got an extra 20 bucks out of every single training they got. <laughs> yes. You had to show up to the show to meet the owner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had to pay for a ticket to come watch the show. Of course. And only once the show was over, you would get to talk to the promoter. And nobody wants to go to a wrestling show alone. So, of course, they're going to bring a friend or a family member. So, I brought my dad. So, I paid my 20 bucks to get in. 10 for me, 10 for him. We sat through the entire show. I still remember the show completely vividly. Nice. Big spot uh, that blew my mind was a dude hit a pedigree and then the other guy kicked out at one. (laughs) Uh, My Mark Wrestling brain freaked out and said no one's done that since uh, Ultimate Warrior did that to Triple H. Um, And it was was definitely a thing. They hit a one-winged angel in the opening. Nice. it was was I in this match? This sounds like I, one of my matches. I, I wish <laughs> I would have been like, "Here's my money instantly." <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! But finally, the show was over. Um, went to go meet the owner. We talked back and forth. I signed up for wrestling school, and you know, I think uh, I think I had the same thought a lot of people had. I've heard Colt Cabana talk about it too, where I thought you know it was going to be. Basically, I'd call it like a WWE tryout where there's nothing but like Olympic athletes and former college football players and like the most athletic people in the world. We all go through it for sure. And I walk in those doors to a 45 year old man who's 
300 pounds overweight and, you know, a couple semi-athletic dudes and then guys who are decently athletic and, you know, they became my friends today. But, like, I expected to walk in and be by far the least athletic person in the world with a gymnastics background and I walk in and they're so confused that I know how to take a front bump on my day one when I'm like, you just do a front flip and don't land on your feet. And they're like, yeah. And then I do it and they're confused. But when I swear still to this day, I've never seen this man. There was a dude who came in in full, like I call him the Tajiri boy pants. Like, Yes. His, the the baggy leather pants. Right. He came to practice in those, had like baseball gloves on, an NWO shirt. Like he had his full like in ring attire. And he looked like he had to have been 45 or 50. Like he was up there. He's, I think he said he'd been training for like six years or something like that. And wow. I finished my first practice and like. I don't want to like boast or brag, but I was pretty okay my first day. Like, yeah. I was not good by any means, but like I was able to catch on. I have not seen that man since then. <laughs> I feel like I may or may not have made this grown man quit wrestling. You know what? You did him a favor. <laughs> it's it's okay. it's possible. He was he was delaying he was delaying the rest of his life because he thought um, this was it. Like he was the best one there. You showed up day one. He was like, you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> Just, I can't do it. He ducked one and quit the biz. <laughs> oh, man. Well, see, okay. So you said gymnastics background. And yep. that definitely bodes well for you. You know, being able to just simple things like knowing how to roll. You know, I mean, as it is, you know, if you're bracing for impact or a freak accident or something like that, you have that kind of ingrained in you to be able to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's something that that kind of muscle memory that people like Tajiri pants probably didn't have, you know? Exactly. But it was just crazy that it was the weirdest experience of my life. Everyone, you know, says they got addicted to the bumping. I, I don't think I did. I'm not a huge fan of bumping. That stuff hurts. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, bumping. I mean, Listen, there's there's guys that go their whole career not bumping. Hey, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah. No, I you know, honestly though, and and you can probably um tell me if I'm wrong or not here, but I've done kind of a world tour of uh, you know, a a, a faux comeback and it seems like especially in recent years I'll go to a new school somewhere. And I feel like the people that are going there are increasingly more athletic. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm old, which, I mean, I am. But I also feel like I haven't necessarily lost a step. Um, so, but when I'm there and it's like, you know, okay, yeah, this guy's trained. He's been here before, whatever. Like, you know, and I'm just by myself, just kind of messing around. Okay, let's get out the crash pad and let's do some random things. There's some guys there that are like, oh, yeah, I can do that, too. And, like, maybe they haven't – they they shouldn't, quote, unquote, be at that level, but they're, like, doing 450s off the top. Like, that wasn't happening when I first started. Yeah, there's definitely a evolution, and it's been a constant evolution. I mean, if you think – think about the people who came before you seeing you do the insane things that you've done. They're like, well, no one ever did that when I was in there. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a limit 
and I'm waiting to see what stupid stuff people are going to do next in the most flattering, like complimentative way possible, because it's crazy what I see today. And like, I do some crazy stuff, but like I throw out a standing corkscrew moonsault sometimes. Yeah. It's, but like fact that people do even crazy, like Blake Christian, I'm putting him over is I wrestled him, uh, back at paradigm pro wrestling in like a four man match, uh, fatal four way. Yeah. And this man before the show, we just had the crash pad out messing around and he just looks at me and just hits a six thirty like nothing. I looked him square in the face. I was like, Hey, you're hitting that in our match. And, uh, he pulled out a six thirty as a falsy. <laughs> no reason. Killing the so, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> but like just his athleticism alone. Like I watched him once again at GCW. He did like a Fosbury into like catching into a reverse DDT and lifting the dude up into a tombstone pile driver on the outside. Like where where are we where are we escalating from there? Yeah. But yeah. every time every time I say that somebody does something even more insane it's funny you know and and um if you've never listened to the show before dylan and i will go back and forth on things that are believable or not believable and you can almost call it like the undertaker conundrum yeah because you know i can sit there and be like oh you're gonna you're gonna do a tombstone pile driver on the outside and you guys gonna kick out doesn't make sense but if undertaker strikes you with a lightning bolt i i believe that you know yeah that's that's okay he can do that but it's funny because especially when it comes to high flying, and you can definitely attest to this, but when it comes to high flying, the style has become more Dragon Ball Z yeah. than it has, you know, traditional pro wrestling with a little bit of more, you know, I guess, aerial moves thrown in. Yeah. And, I mean, I look at it as, I, I posted it on Twitter as a joke, I see wrestling as like uh, similar to romantic comedies. If it can be funny and romantic, why can't wrestling be super realistic and the farthest thing from realistic ever? Um, totally. My wrestling style is I want to be like a comic book. I want to be the drunk guy of Mortal Kombat. Um, where, you know. Is there a drunk guy in Mortal Kombat? There is. It was like Mortal Kombat 4. Um, even at his own like mini game cart racing in the video game. I'll have to look up his name, but I see. I was thinking of, um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo Rai Cho. That's who you're talking there about. There we right? go. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was thinking of, um, what was it? Tekken or virtual fighter. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Bo Rai Cho yeah. is what we'll go with. They probably all had them too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I look at it as like, if you look at the undertaker and you take wrestling out of the equation, and you just put it on a, literally in a comic book. This man's parents burned to death at a young age. A funeral director takes him into his life and raises him as one of his child children. And, you know, he grows up being a legitimate undertaker and, you know, begins to fight crime, get in fights, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> fight crime. I like that. Yeah. Undertaker fights crime. It's obvious. <laughs> but then you find out years down the road that this man has a brother. Right. And you find out that this man's brother started the fire killing the parents. And you didn't know about this brother until one day your adopted father turns on you and brings this evil brother in. And like, 
if you take wrestling out of the picture, this is the most insane story, comic book, cartoon of your life. Totally. But the fact that we're doing it in a wrestling ring is no different. But, like, there's nothing realistic about any of that. I'm glad you said that because I think that that is, that is the disconnect between wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans. And I'd like to think that this podcast doesn't necessarily exist in an echo chamber of just us talking to fellow wrestling fans. I think that there are non-wrestling fans that listen to it just to humor me like, yeah, man, it was good. <laughs> but if you can explain things like that, like, listen, there's a real like origin story um, and story itself that people really cling to. And then it's all kind of played out in front of your eyes in the ring and, and you know, if you want to see past that and see the story, then that is really what brings everyone in. Yeah. And then, I mean, you get the very extreme one of a uh, South Park's version of wrestling. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like that's really what we do. We're telling stupid stories and then it doesn't matter what happens in that ring as long as you have the attention for the story. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, uh, when Moxley, I think it was one of Moxley's, uh, uh, like shoot promos with like RF video from like 15, 20 years ago. And he was like, at the end of the day, we're just grown men wrestling in our underwear. Like I feel that wrestling we're just underwear fights, man. Yeah. Underwear fights. Wrestling's supposed to be fun. Like stop being so overcritical and so serious about it. That's uh I love. And a lot of people don't like him because he does not say the best, uh, the best words I'll call it, uh, Tracy Smothers. <laughs> okay. I was at I was at a GCW show once again. I keep bringing them up. Uh, just helping. Are you out. trying to get booked? Is uh, that what's I going mean, on? All day, every day, man. Come on, <laughs> no. But Always be booked. It's because it was the day after uh, Wombat actually. So I was just helping out when they were in Nashville, and they booked Tracy Smothers. Um, I watched that man turn heel and face about 18 times in his pre-match promo um, <laughs> because he went into a crowd that was very, uh, very open to beliefs and, you know, very forward thinking and dropped the F-bomb. And I'm not talking about the normal F-word. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, but then would switch right back and say something cute and clever and everybody would love it. Um, but then he dropped the F-bomb again. And the crowd would get all riled up. Hey, 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 yeah, hey. Hey, <laughs> you say one more word, I'm going to get on my helicopter that's on top of this and fly right back to the great state of Indiana. <laughs> I'll, I'll commit super massive suicide. There you go. Thanks, Tracy. All right, cool, man. No, but uh, then he went out for his match, went back in, and in classic Tracy Smothers form, next match is happening. It's like a death match. There's blood everywhere. This man walks out to me in his underwear in the crowd and it's like, you see, wrestling, it's like a buffet. I went out there, just did some talking and some wrestling, and then these guys go out here bleeding. Some people might not like what I do, but some people don't like what they're doing out there. Wrestling's a buffet, a little something for everybody. <laughs> Wise words. It, what From a grown man in his underwear eating oranges. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> and these and these are our idols. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of idols, what um I mean, who were who were the people that you looked up to, you know, when you were growing up and you were saying, "Hey, that's what I want to do." Yeah, so uh obviously I have 
Stone Cold Steve Austin's up there. Him Makes might, sense. Might considering be the gimmick. Abilities. Um, John Cena was definitely a favorite. Okay, um, that's good. I, I finally told my dad my story of secret resentment towards him. Towards um, your dad or towards John Cena? Wait a second. Towards, Is John towards, Cena your dad? I wish. Um, no, I, I don't know if I wish. I would never be able to see him, so. <laughs> but it was, it was way back uh, when John Cena was still on SmackDown. Raw was coming to St. Louis. Okay. And it was a little bit after my birthday, right before my birthday or something. I was like, hey, Dad, can we go to Raw? And, you know, he brought up a good point. He's like, oh, man, you know, no. <laughs> That's uh, a great point. Right, I was like, well, he had you yeah, there. I don't have any money. I'm like 12 at the time, so you win this round. No, but uh, his his reasoning was sound. It was, you know, your favorite wrestler, John Cena's not even going to be there. Okay. Uh, uh, Raw opens up, Titan Tron hits, Pyro, 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 brr, Apple Dew. Uh, John Cena comes walking out in his spirit of St. Louis. He just got traded to Raw. Oh, I was so heated. <laughs> I'm sitting at home watching. Dad with TV a heel turn. With John Cena coming out, and I just turn and look at my dad, and he just looks at me and shrugs his shoulders like, how the hell am I supposed to know that was going to happen? And 12-year-old me is like, well, why didn't you? And I thought that was obvious. Oh, man. <clears throat> the feud of the century. I literally told him like two weekends ago when I saw him, I was like, you know, I have resentment towards you. He's like, why? And I told him the story. He's like, I don't even remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's awesome. So John Cena definitely was one, um, not to get you all on your high horse or anything. But then when I started getting into the independent scene, I saw this, dude who was doing stupid insane flips and dumb stuff named uh, i think it was like jason quick or something like that um <laughs> and then i kept seeing videos of like a carter gray guy um and i mean he was really cool and you know i'm not just putting you over on your own podcast one of my favorite videos to watch was a uh, top 25 moves of carter gray see okay um, that's where you got worked because i don't even have 25 moves I'm Amen. pretty sure in that video, there's a freaking headlock takeover. So. Oh, yeah. No, that's what they all are. Like, I think a lariat was like four of them. So, I mean, you have four different slight variations of a lariat yeah. snuck on there. But once you get to the top ten, they're real cool. Um, I still haven't convinced anybody to take the good old box cutter. So, And that, that seems crazy to me because I feel like wrestling has gotten crazier since I've left. I would think that the box cutter would be like an opener. See, the weird thing, and I talk about this all the time, is wrestling has got more dangerous yet more safe because a lot of, I call it the early 2000 CZW, the motto was, eh, just take it up as high on your neck as you want. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I call it the uh, the gonorrhea, the everybody hit this move in 2003 Flex, yeah. Um, where you hook under the leg and then behind the head, and then it's like a throwing Russian leg sweep. Uh, I wrestled yeah. Scotty Vortex, yes. and literally he came back from retirement. Um, I was like a second match back, and he's going over, and he tells me, "Hey man, so I want to I want to hit you with the uh, everybody hit this move in two thousand three plex." Um, and he's like, "Yeah," literally turned to me, looked me square in the eyes, and goes, "Just take it as high up on your neck as you feel comfortable." 
And I just go, can I just flip out of it? He's like, yeah, that'll look cool too. <laughs> and we did it, but I was just so confused that that was just his like, oh yeah, just take it up as high as you want. And then talking to a couple of CZW kids, they're like, yeah, that was just kind of the motto back in the day here. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> so when I so look true. at the box cutter, that's just what I imagine. Just, hey, hop in a wheelbarrow and then, you know, just take it as high on your neck as you feel comfortable. Well, see, okay, so <clears throat> I didn't hit that on too many people for obvious reasons. And the people, there were some people that would be like, okay, maybe if I can like turn and take it kind of like shoulder neck, I'd be okay. It was so much worse. Yeah. I'm like, why would you do that? Shoulder. Talk. What are you doing? <laughs> They're not wrestling anymore. So, you know, probably. I did watch uh, one of my buddies, uh, good old Levi Everett, the Amish Mennonite megastar, whatever you want to call this man. Literally the most over person in wrestling. I've seen his, uh, uh, like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know the name of it, but it's basically like churning butter. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's literally the greatest wrestler of all time. He is John Cena on the independent scene and growing. Like, in the Amish community. Yes. This man Got is going to make it. He doesn't have the same technology, so he's still, like, amazed by, uh, like, his, his favorite wrestler is uh, Chris Benoit. Uh because he doesn't know any of the aftermath or anything. All that he knows is the wrestling of him. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, he's got to look it up and you can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> he just, he has a sponsor that gets him to places and everything. But I watched that man take a box cutter randomly after a practice because Oof. one of the dudes we were training with was like, hey man, take this move, tuck your chin, and just throws him. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that's so, not good. That's, that's any description on how my wrestling career has gone thus far was that's the, that's the environment that I was in. Yeah. I just want to say, um, that's, that's why you're in my first interview. Um, because, uh, I'm one of your favorite wrestlers. I just, I'm, I'm a really narcissistic and I just really, I needed that. So hey, I'm here for it. <laughs> and I'll tell everybody on the podcast. My goal is to get you to come out of retirement, even if it's just to wrestle me once. Because then I can hang up my boots happily. Anything that happens after that, I have two criteria for me completing my wrestling career. If I never make it to the WWE, I'll be okay. If I never make it to Japan, that's all right. If I never make it to AEW, I'll live. But I want to wrestle Carter Gray, and I want my own YouTube top 10 moves of Bradley Prescott. <laughs> well, I know at least one of those can happen. All right, cool. I know I'm not going to get the YouTube, so it looks like you need to lace them up, my guy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it seems like something crazy happens. Like, anytime I'm planning, um, you know, quote-unquote planning a comeback, um, I was really serious about it last summer, like crazy serious. Like, going to this school in um, Northern Virginia, I was training – decently hard <laughs> and um and then yeah just i don't know man crazy things happen um uh, not to get into it and, and make it about me but it's it trust me man the, the the thought is there the want and dare i say need is there um it just seems like my timing is always off you know something seems to come up not that i guess my point is is it's never off the table it's just it's all about timing yeah, and I feel like there's just uh, constant jabs at me from the universe, I'll call it, of me just accidentally running into, you know, your past and uh, things that keep leading us together. 
as weird and that sounds like uh, it does sound weird what please explain <laughs> yeah i was uh, i was wrestling levi once again at a show and out of nowhere rodney rush comes walking oh. in the locker room uh former manager this man just comes walking in and you know i've seen him just even he's on your top 10 moves of carter gray because it just shows your entrance like 30 times to open up the video and that's uh, at least four of my moves. My entrance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's your entrance of you and him walking out. Um, but like he just randomly comes walking in and we just start talking back and forth. And then basically half the veterans of that locker room were part of a uh, IPW. Yep. So obviously a lot of them knew you and fella named Greg Carey comes walking up to me and Rodney's like, Hey, this is, you know, Carter's old, manager and blah 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 we start talking back and forth i was like yeah i know but then you know i randomly run into facade and start shooting the shit with him and basically talking about how we're going to convince you to get a comeback and literally just so many random people that are like oh yeah carter what's he up to when's he coming back and i'm like hey guys you need to help me because i'm trying hey man facade has tried too and when I was living in Pittsburgh, you know, I would try to link up with him as much as possible. And it just, again, I mean, I, it's so easy to make excuses, <laughs> but it just, uh, yeah, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Facade's a great dude, though. I mean, all those guys you mentioned are, yeah. are great dudes. I mean, I still talk to Rodney Rush all the time. He's perpetually having another kid. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> but uh, Facade is just, he's another one of those insane dudes. Like, he's totally. a... I call him a modern day Sabu because you're never 100% sure if what he's going to do is going to work, but he's <laughs> either going to hit it or die trying. And that's the coolest thing ever. Well, the great thing is you can always judge his, traje- his trajectory at least. Right. Like I you know, know where, where he's going to end up. I know where you're headed. So I just got to be there. That's it. But great dude. Looks great too. Seems like always training, always looking good. Yeah, and he's still he's still making towns. I saw him just randomly show up and uh, help out a little bit at a show in Indiana just a couple weeks ago. Like he came back, and you know, I asked him to watch my match, and he watched it. Came to the back, gave me some feedback. That's and awesome. Literally, he wasn't booked on the show. I think he was booked on a different show and was riding with it. But like, you know, how many people would have been like, "Yeah, just come pick me up after that." I saw Facade at the Arnold, um, obviously not this past year, but maybe it was the year before, maybe 2019. He was, because uh, he's real tight with the guys from Promera. Yeah. So he was working their booth. Well, nice. not working their booth, but like yeah. he was at the booth. Chilling. Yeah. But anyway. Speaking of working the booth and the Arnold, that's kind of something... Um, I realize this is a wrestling podcast, but that's the unique connection that you and I have is a lot of people would assume that we're connected through wrestling, right? That like we met when, when you were, when we were both wrestling or or whatever the case may be. And that would be kind of how it would happen, but that's not the case at all. Somehow my new world merged (laughs) with, with you in this world. And then, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Tell everyone about that. Yeah, because, so, I, because uh, I like that this whole thing is about me so far. Right. Hey, that's what I'm here for. I'm flipping <laughs> the script. I'm actually interviewing you. Um, nice. I guess I'm. Am I the painless part of this podcast? 
<laughs> but, so uh, far, I would say this is not painless. <laughs> so I moved to Indiana, like I said earlier. Um, I was working at a general nutrition center, the good old GN Sizzle. Um, and I was working with an awesome lady named Natalie. Shout out, Natalie. You'll never actually listen to nah, this. She won't listen right. Um, and you know, we're, we're talking about wrestling one day and she's like, oh yeah, you know, there used to be a manager in this region who was also a wrestler. I was like, oh yeah, who? She's like, oh, his name was, uh, some, it was something quick, uh, quick something, something Car- his, his real name's Carter, but it was quick something. And I was like, it wasn't quick Carter gray. Was it? She's like, yeah, that sounds right. I was like, <laughs> really? And at the time you'd already moved on a little bit from GNC. You were with uh, muscle farm at the time. Well, look at you, just dropping names. Right. I usually, I usually hide all these. Oh, my bad. No. You can bleep it out. Just bleep it out. Like I said, no one listens. <laughs> so you were with a, a certain company of uh, black and green color scaling proportions. Um, <laughs> and you were you were doing decent in that company. You were training uh, the very bad financial decision of the company to hire 50 different reps for 50 different states and give them each their very own Camaros. Hey, that's listen. That <laughs> that's that's your opinion, okay? I... <laughs> As a person who likes to invest in companies, I don't see where it all that paid off, and it didn't because I think like two weeks later they sold all the cars back. <laughs> Pretty close, yeah. And then fired off like forty-eight of the reps out of fifty. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you came walking in with the new eager to learn rep who. Uh, he had a very different way of trying to look at uh, your business world. So you came in trying to be, you know, a good brother and help him out. You just come strolling in and you're like, hey, man, I'm Carter. I'm like, oh, man, you're quick Carter Gray. And you hit me with uh, in a former life, man. <laughs> and then we just started sparking, talking back and forth while uh, the new fellow was just, you know, more concerned about his mom and pop shops and didn't care about GNC because that's not how he earned commissions or whatever. Said that score to our face. I don't know if we ever told you that. Yeah, I think you did. It was just hilarious that, uh, you know, you were there building connections and making us actually want to help your company because you're a good dude. And the other dude was just trying to make them commissions. So for the people who don't listen to this for the wrestling, there's a little business tip for you. (laughs) Relationships is more important than sales because the relationships will get you sales. Totally. uh, I've since... um said to people like later you know down the road sales aren't really a thing like you don't really make any sales you just make like relationships and connections and then you're just like hey it's me i want to buy this like yeah might as well (laughs) that's it there's no there's no sales involved anymore and for the people who are listening for wrestling, it's the exact same. You build relations and then you point at yourself and your half naked body because you're only wearing bikers and say, you want this? And then usually they're like, yeah, it's whatever. You can be on the show. Same in prostitution. <laughs> that also. <laughs> but we have a podcast that covers everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because that's how you find a wrestling school, too. Yep. You know, you have to, unfortunately, you have to know people that know people. You know, it's, I mean, shoot, when I was trying to find a school, I would text, um, I mean, Rodney Rush, Billy Rock, you yep. know, these, these guys. I mean, shoot, I talked to Drake at one point. 
He's like, oh, brother, just uh, just call DJ, you know, and he, he wasn't helpful. But, but, you know, you just, that's really how it is, uh, unfortunately, with everything, you know? Right. And uh, good old, good old DJ. He's a, he's a character. Yeah. Uh, I wrestled the Dojo Wars one time, and uh man straight up walked to me after it was like, I don't get your gimmick. I don't like it. I don't really like you at all of like your wrestling, but that was a sick 450. I mean, listen, if there's anything <laughs> I can agree with on that point, you do have a sick 450. That man just looked me square in the face and just said he hated every single thing about me except that 450. And I was like, hey, man, at least you like my 450. <laughs> Well, listen. I watched um, like you. You you posted something on Instagram. Um, I might have been the end of July, and there's a 450 in there. And I watched it. and I was like, Pfft. I mean, you cut the you cut the rotation off quick. I mean, <laughs> probably obviously because that's a 450, right? But you easily cut it on a 630. I feel like if ever needed, I could pull it out of the arsenal. But I also realized the facts of. Uh, then people will want that way too often. And I don't know if I'm here for that action. That's why you always do it as a missed spot. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. I didn't, I was, I was in a, uh, um, Oh, I don't even remember what it, it was in CZW, but it was me ego and drew blood. And I did a six thirty as a miss. And then I got a freaking shining wizard as soon as I sat up, but which makes sense, right? Of course. <laughs> Why not? And uh, But it was like, yeah, I'll do it. But uh, this, this late in the match, I don't know if I can name it. Let's just, let's just miss it. Right. But that's why, you know, like, uh, you hear a good old, uh, what's it? Rikake, Ricochet, mm-hmm. talk about, you know, he had to switch it because, you know, he hit it one time and they were like, yeah, man, just hit this as your finisher all the time. You're always going over. I ain't gonna... <laughs> no, that's right. not horrible. <laughs> well, look at look at the the evolution of the double moonsault. If you you see the first time he hits it, he hits it as a springboard to the outside, and it looks like death. And and, and then he starts hitting it in the ring, and especially in NJ uh, uh, New Japan. And <laughs> there's somewhere he's just killing people, like knees to the face and all of that. I'm like, there's no way. That's why I, mean, I never wanted to even get a, get a part of that. Like, if I'm going to do a double moonsault, it's to the outside. But that's even like uh, when the Fed finally let him pull it out. I mean, that was the scariest thing ever, and he was doing it off a 10-foot cage. I knew that was coming. I, um, when, they, when they announced War Games, I texted him. I was <laughs> like, you're doing it, aren't you? He like, said, bet you won't, coward. <laughs> he said, guess you're going to have to watch and find out. I'm like, you son of a bitch. I mean, I, I hate still you, always go back to watch. You. I go back to watching the clip of uh, it was you, him, and uh, was it Flip Kendrick? Yeah, just back to back to back triple moon salts to the outside. Yeah, um, and is the story true of uh, Flip Kendrick never doing a double moon salt? But you guys saying, "Hey, man, you're a break dancer. You can do it." No, <laughs> that's that's a rumored story that you and Ricochet convinced this man who had never done a double moonsault ever in his life. And you basically convinced him that, uh, yeah, man, like you're a break dancer. You know how to do flips and stuff. Uh, just basically tuck. Just keep pulling. No, 
That's, uh, he, he definitely volunteered. We would never do that. Ever. You're breaking wrestling folklore right now. <laughs> we would never, ever. It was, I rem- okay, so there's a lot involved in that match. But I specifically, because he volunteered and it was like, hey, we, the three of us can do a double moonsault. And that's kind of rare, especially at that time. And I said, <laughs> I legit want three double moonsaults in this match only for the fact that people will come to us afterwards and say, hey, guys, great match, but maybe too many double moonsaults. Because <laughs> I thought that that was the most absurd thing you could ever hear. That's and the that, funniest phrase to hear ever exactly, in a wrestling critique. Exactly. And I, that was, that's the honest to God truth. And Trevor will say the exact same thing. Like that is the only reason we had that in there is because we wanted people to tell us there's too many double moonsaults. I think that's what my wrestling career is, is me just trying to pop myself and the boys because I realize <laughs> a normal match now has eight to 12 matches on the card. Yeah. The other seven to 11 can be for the crowd. I'm yeah. just out there to pop the boys myself. I mean, realistically, that's what everyone's out for. Like, I'm sure you've seen the clip of, like, William Regal coming to the ring and them, like, switching his music on him in, in a WWE match. Like, I, I realize that happens on the independents all the time. But right. Like, th- like, then, on TV, I mean, that's all it is. People at home didn't know the difference, <laughs> you know? So who cares? But right. that, was for, that was for him. That was for Daniel Bryan. That was, and it was great. So I know this podcast has just become one long name drop. But uh, <laughs> I rode in a car with Rich Swan for like eight hours randomly after a um, what's Sammy Callahan's promotion in Iowa uh, uh, revolver. There we go. Okay, I was gonna say something else. I'm glad you said something. Yeah, he uh, he was running a pro wrestling revolver show, and I was green boying, and I was picking up Rich from Iowa. Literally went to the show just to like help. Yep. Um, and then went from Iowa, dropped him off in Kentucky with the best photographer in the world, Mouse. Shout out, Mouse. Um, and then I drove back up to Indiana that same day to actually be on a separate show. There you go. Good um, for you. Right. And it was the most fun experience of my life, just riding in the car with Rich Swan, who hadn't slept in like three days straight, who still didn't sleep in our car. And we're like, hey, man, like we got this. It was me and one of my buddies drove there and back. And uh, he stayed up the entire time. That man did not sleep at all. Just sitting in the back seat, boogieing, having a blast. Oh, yeah. And he led me into the world's greatest wrestling secret ever. If you pop the boys, you pop the fans. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we've seen it all. So if you can find a way to pop us, like, the crowd's going to like it for the most part. Yeah. Especially with people, you know, knowing so much about wrestling these days. Oh, Absolutely. So if you can pop the boys, you can pop the fans. Shout out Uncle Rich. I love Rich Swan. Um, that I used to have a picture of him in one of my shirts. Um, that was a, that was a proud moment for me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm glad you said that because that was a question I really did want to ask you: is in your travels, what is your typical car? Like, who do you travel with? So now nobody. Because right, because you're in a <laughs> secluded area. Exactly. Every once in a while, I can score random dudes from either South Carolina or Atlanta. Every once in a while. First of all, um, I like that you said I can score random dudes. Hey, so they're this not goes back. I just meet them at truck stops. 
<laughs> this goes back to our prostitution angle. I love it. Yes. Um, but like my typical Indiana car and I'll still randomly meet up with them. If I book like a Midwest loop, I'll stop at their place and then we'll just carpool from there. Um, the deal, Adam Slade, um, shout out, super shout out. He's, he's the brother, man. He hits the Falcon arrow and that's all that matters. Cause that's the deal. And nobody kicks out of the deal. So I've never met this guy, but he seems like a cool ass dude. I follow Ex- him on Twitter. See Slade. We're shouting you out right now, so you're going to have to listen to this podcast. Yes, one more fan. <laughs> or one more gonna, listen, at least. I'm going to name off basically all the Lost Boys. Um, <laughs> I'm in a faction where none of us match up together. It's a very New Japan-esque where we're just four dudes who like each other and we hang out. Um, Levi used to be in the group with us, but he went down his own path because he's Amish John Cena and doesn't need us anymore. Right. Um, but he used to be in the group. But then we have The Deal, Adam Slade, super cool Twitter account. Uh, We have Chase Holiday, um, super cool dude also, always in the car with me. He was the dude that rode with me and Uncle Rich to and from Iowa. Nice. Um, Chase is all about making sound. He's from the Black and Brave Academy. So uh, Seth Rollins, Merrick Brave, trained him. He's from Cali also. He lived with me for about a year before I moved to Georgia. Um, Great dude. I love him to death. Um, then we have Hoodfoot Mo Atlas. He's Bigfoot from the Hood. Um, greatest. Oh, did I lose you? That's all that matters. Okay. Um, what happened? But did you get abducted? Hoodfoot. This man walks out to the ring with a ten. And that's mega tough. And missed, then, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we still here? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I just had a, it storming here. I had a giant lightning strike. Okay. Is it like the natural? Do you need to go out and make a baseball bat? I was tempted. I was going to maybe hold up a couple cans glued together. Okay. Yeah. And see if I can, you know, either like Mike it to where I get actual athletic abilities or something. There you go. Or maybe like Nikolai Tesla, just put some light bulbs on the ground. Yeah, we'll figure out something probably. <laughs> okay, sorry, Hoodfoot. Yes, this man has a 10 foot long do rag he wears. To okay, the I was a little nervous when you said 10 foot long. Well, you know, that's not the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's Bigfoot from the hood. He's a growing, getting more and more traction as the days go by uh, wrestler. Uh, like I already gave the shout out mouse, yep. uh, mouse wrestling adventures, photography. Um, he's actually how we got the end with rich Swan. Nice. Um, because he was taking pictures for that NGW show. Shout out Cody and, uh, Eddie, they run that company. Um, and he was, they were looking for it and they asked mouse if he was going to revolver and he's like, no, but I got two green kids who are willing to do it. Hit us up an instant. We were like, of course, why wouldn't we? And uh, basically Lost Boys in general. I already shouted out Jay Rose. Um, He's always in the car load with us too. Um, But all those dudes are great and amazing. If any random promoters listen to this podcast, book all of them. You don't even have to book me. I'm not that good of a wrestler. Um, But if you get them on your card, well worth it. And like I said, they're awesome in the car. I don't think with Rich, I don't think we talked one lick of wrestling. We just talked about music and life and 
those are the best wrestling road trips. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my, my car <clears throat> was, you know, any, anytime we were going Indy to, to Philly, it was, I mean, it would change. There were some slight changes from, from month to month. Right. But it was, you know, me, ego, uh, Rodney rush, Drake, uh, Moxley. And then, um, you know, it would, it would change. There would be some, there would be some other guys like, uh, Dingo, uh, I'm Scotty Vortex. Oh my God. I almost forgot Scotty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, anytime that like, you know, and we'd all obviously drive in shifts, right. That's still, mm-hmm. still a thing I would assume, but like ego would be just, it would be all about music, right. We'd just be talking about crazy death metal that I've never heard before. <laughs> like, how do you even know about this? That's, but anyway, yeah, it, it, those are all, you're you're exactly right. Those are the greatest cars when you don't even talk about wrestling. Like maybe you do, maybe you talk about some random ass angles that you have yeah. in your head that don't make any sense. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> but but everything else is just non wrestling. And we probably talked about wrestling for three hours in the car ride, but I don't remember one lick of it, right. minus the you know pop the boys, pop the fans. Right. Um, but it's everything else that's the cool memories that I'm going to get to tell my kids down the road about. I talk about how my wrestling career might not turn out to be anything as long as I get my, you know, YouTube uh, <laughs> clip. There you go. Uh, but my big thing is, you know, me getting to point to random people on the television and be like, hey, I wrestled that guy. I'm super cool. Hey, I knew that girl, Shotzi Blackheart, killing it on NXT. I trained with her a bunch of times, wrestled, you know, with her when it was just like three people in a random ring in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, like just getting to point out those people and saying, Hey, like I'm kind of their friend. I can promise you it. It sounds cool in your head, (laughs) but I don't know if you're a competitive person. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it can get to you, you know, it does Um, a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, I went into this realizing that, uh, I think I came in a little late in life. Um, that's not a thing. DDP, I was, DDP started I was when I was 35. I call myself the DDP, even though I started when I was like 24. Right. Um, I think that's because a lot of people I see these days are starting at like 14, 15 years old. Dude, I started when I was, uh, my, my 15th birthday. Yeah. And yeah. that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. It's mind blowing to me. Because, I mean, like, the things, I don't know. There were things that I would change, for sure. You know, like, when I look back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done this different. I I was kind of a dick in this instance, or or I was too full of myself here, or whatever. And and you just don't know that because you're so young and you're growing up so fast in the industry. I almost think that you are at an advantage being more mature in your age when you start in wrestling. Yeah, and I feel that sometimes too. But then I look at like uh, it's actually Mouse's kid. Uh, her name's Billy Starks. She's 15 years old, and one of the greatest female wrestlers I see on the independents right now. Okay. To the point where when she's 20, she might be the top of the world as long as she keeps enjoying it like she is. Like if you go watch her in her match, uh, it was like last Friday at St. Louis Anarchy. Okay. She was literally insane. And she's a 15-year-old girl just take grown-ass men. That's awesome. 
I, I mean, I don't know. I, everyone's, uh, everyone's story is different, obviously. Right. I mean, we just, we mentioned, uh, DDP, but like, you know, wrestling's all about timing, all of it, you know? And I don't think that, you, I just don't think, and I don't know, it's not just wrestling, it's everything. You can't compare right. your story to someone else's because it's completely different. Yeah. We're like apples to oranges. We might all be fruits, but uh, we're not the exact same. <laughs> but I mean, look at Grado. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you know, really uh, pride yourself in being an entertaining wrestler, and you are. You are entertaining in your character, and you're entertaining in your ability. And you put the two together, and it makes for a, an enjoyable experience for the fans. And that's Grado. You know, I mean, obviously, it's much more entertainment and much less athletic ability but you kind of have that same appeal and i think that it's just a matter of um uh accentuating that combo there's no reason why you can't have the same opportunities as other, as other people yeah absolutely and you know especially with the way wrestling is growing to you know not just one one specific thing it's not the wwe style anymore even the WWE is getting away from the WWE style. Well, but like <laughs> you look at AEW yep. and they have Orange Cassidy, one of my personal favorite wrestlers, you know, outside of the people I named, one of the current wrestlers that's my favorite, I should say. Sure. That man just sits there with his hands in his pants for half the match, but he's one of the most entertaining people out there. Absolutely. But once he flicks on that, like the fire of the actual wrestling, he goes insane. Absolutely. I mean, that is at the end of the day, that's, that's everything. If you're entertaining, we can figure the rest out. I mean, dude, I remember when I first met Moxley, it was, um, 2007 and it was an IPW show and he was a cool dude. Don't get me wrong. Super nice, whatever. And it was like, okay, whatever. And like, he just had black trunks, black knee pads, black boots. And I was young, you know, 2007. How old was I? Uh, 20, 19? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Young. And I'm, I was so accustomed to coming across guys like this in Michigan, and no disrespect to the people in Michigan because there's a lot of great talent. But um, I was so accustomed to coming across guys like this, like, oh, this is the, the wily vet who just who has been everywhere and knows everything. Like, let's – whatever. And then I remember he's like, okay, everybody, you know, let's, we're going to do promos. Um, you know, let's come out here to the hallway and, and we're going to, you know, this is your, this is your, your match tonight. So um, here's your promo. Go ahead. And it was like, all right, Mox, you're first. And I saw him do a promo. I was like, this dude is the truth. Like, I know it does, <laughs> it does not matter if he can wrestle or not. Like I didn't even, I never even seen him wrestle at that point. I just saw him do the promo. I was like, this guy, he's, he will be someone for sure. And everyone thought that, I mean, you know, uh, Rodney rush didn't really know him at that time. I mean, Rodney was involved in IPW, but he was like, yeah, he's a good dude, whatever. Seeing that promo was like, yep, game over. This dude can do no wrong. So, I mean, if you're entertaining, if you can do a promo, everything else will follow you. Yeah. And that's where, uh, like, uh, juice Robinson really draws me in. There you go. Yeah. When he talks about, you know, having his balls in one hand and, uh, uh, flying bald eagle shooting out of his asshole. Yeah. Um, 
just in a minute long promo of him rambling because he broke his hand in a match. So he can't hit his finisher, but he's going to hit you with the other hand because he loves America. <laughs> like for no reason, just because he was fighting for like the U S title or something. Right. And it was the greatest promo of all time of a minute and a half of him just entertaining. Exactly. And I also talk about how, you know, I'm, I'm not a promo guy. I'm almost a sketch comedy entertainer because the amount of times I just hear Friday, August 15th at this promotion, at this address, I'm going to wrestle this person. Right. I'm going to beat you up. That's just so plain and boring these days that I just film like vignettes and literally sketch comedy of me just freestyling and just randomly throughout there, I'm going to sneak in the words that you need to know about the actual show. Yeah. Probably by the end of this, um, I'll, I'll give you guys a little secret. Um, I'm filming a promo either tonight or tomorrow for a company that I'm going to be wrestling for. And the whole promo is about how I'm jealous that if you're wrestling for this show, you get a baseball card made about you and then selling those at the event. And I want to be on a baseball card, so I'm challenging this guy to a match. And it's just going to be me talking about how I like baseball cards. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even want to fight this dude, but I just want a baseball card, so <laughs> I'm fighting you. Yeah. And who who shouldn't deserve a baseball, court, baseball card but you? You get it. Exactly. Totally. No, I get it. it I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, WWE is kind of popularized the uh um live action well not live action but like the the cinematic match now right yeah. with with covid when that happened you know and dylan was like they're probably gonna do one of these per pay-per-view and i was like yeah probably but when that happened i was like this is my comeback <laughs> i don't even need to be in shape for this like right. we can just do cinematic matches i can just travel yes. across the u.s and be like i challenge you and then we can just put it together but I mean, the same That's, can be done with with promos now. Yeah, you know. I mean, I guess they could always be done, but especially with with people's abilities at, at editing videos and stuff, like there's pretty much no uh, limit on what you can do. Right. And then just same thing in the matches. Now it's not all just the basic formula. I get to have fun out there and try and flip the status quo. Um. Like, I was in a heavy hitters tournament, which was a shoot-style tournament that was either street rules or UWFI rules, which I still don't even know what UWFI rules are, and I was in the tournament. I don't even know what that is. That sounds like a a weird Al Yankovic movie. It was a Japanese, like, MMA-style pro wrestling match where, like, no closed fists, there's a point system, certain amount of rope breaks, like... Super confusing. I don't even understand <laughs> okay. it. I'm really like happy it. my match was a street fight or else I would have just accidentally lost on purpose. <laughs> okay. I like it. And everybody else is just doing insane stuff, just beating the holy hell out of each other. I look at this man square in the face and tell him I want to fire up on him, yell a line from Malibu's Most Wanted, <laughs> him hit me with one shot, me Japanese fire, and then Ric Flair bump. And the Ric Flair bump was one of the most gift things from that entire show. <laughs> just because I eat one, just scream straight at hard cam and then just fall over and die. I've seen that actually. Now that you say that, that's awesome. And that's the opening of the match. That's like 
one minute in, and then we go for another nine minutes after. But I don't. I'm a I'm a real easy wrestler. I like to think because uh, I made that man bump once in that match. Nice. But then I'm also the opposite. I joke about how I don't like to bump, but then I'm the one pitching stupid ideas for my body. So okay, that's a good. All right, that leads me to a good question. Are you a take moves kind of guy? Oh, absolutely. My my rule is I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good one. <laughs> um, my wife's in the army, so I have Tricare. So there you go. I'm I'm able to live the dream. Um, but like in that same match, once again, I asked him if I could power bomb him through a door because indie wrestling's poor and we don't use tables. Yeah, um, doors are really big now. Yeah, so I powerbombed him off the second into a door. Um, and then the caveat was I would let him, you know, do something dumb to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't know what he wanted to do because we only had one door. And I found a random piece of metal, like, shelf it and grating or whatever you want to call it. I was like, oh, oh just belly to belly me through this in the corner. Gross. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, man, it'll probably be fine. Yeah. Which it was it was surprisingly easy. But then, uh, but I'm not, I'm not a deathmatch guy. Like blood scares me. Like all the credit in the world, those guys who can do that insane stuff. Once again, in a compliment way, like I, I see any, like I broke my nose in a match one time and I thought about quitting wrestling. Like (laughs) I was not about that action. Right. And I watched these dudes, you know, blood everywhere for 20 minutes in a match rolling through glass and light tubes and how no just thinking about it hurts me i like i'll take i'm with you i uh listen my face got me my wife so i (laughs) i'm not not trying to you know mess that up um i was the same way though you know there were there were guys i mean shoot czw i well i don't know if i was in czw in its heyday but i was you know I was there. So, um, but yeah, I, I would take anything on my head, would take anything on my neck. I would, uh, I would get, I mean, shoot, one of the most painful things I took was a power bomb on the outside onto a, uh, a chair that was set up, Oof. which doesn't sound, I mean, it doesn't sound that bad, but it was like, it doesn't sound good. Yeah. It was uh it was B Boy's idea. So uh Classic. fuck you. Oh, oh you used your one. I did. Oh no. All right. I I was saving mine. I really wanted to sing his intro music. Because he just hits it with the F Dre, F Mother F and Snoop. And he has the robotic B Boy. He has one of the greatest intro musics ever. Okay, we can make this one rated R. It's fine. um but but uh yeah it was uh like it wasn't it wasn't even like a safe power bomb it was just like a like he threw me like several feet uh the good old kevin or the uh yeah kevin nash boy well i didn't land on my head thankfully but it was uh it was bad and i remember it was all kidneys right on the seat and uh god bless the czw crowd because i was a heel but Everyone in the front row was like, bro, are you okay? Are you, for real, are you okay? Just just give us a thumbs up. We'll go back to booing you. We promise. Yeah. Are you okay? And I was like, nah, man. <laughs> that hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Rodney Rush is getting a skateboard in the uh, in the ring from B-Boy. So, uh, I don't know. It wasn't all bad. But anyway. Um, so, okay. So, you like taking moves. That's good. Yeah. 
I uh, that's one of my favorite things is when I find someone that likes taking moves. I love watching their matches. Yeah, like I'll take whatever. I'm a bump guy. Like I joke and say I don't like to bump, but at the end of the day, like I'm here to take 18 moves as long as I can give you one. That's my trade off. Same, dude. That's how I was so, for sure. It was real weird when uh, I'm gonna name drop once again wrestling Jonathan Gresham because nice. His whole thing is he even talked about in a seminar earlier that day, like his goal is to make his opponents bump as little as possible because then they feel guilty bumping him. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not going to bump you. But like, if you want to bump me like 37 times, that's cool, man. See, that's, that's tough because that, like, like I said, that's how I was. I loved taking moves. And then when I identify that in someone else, I love watching their, matches because I'm like, all right, I want to see because I know that they are dedicated to this craft, to taking this. You know, like Sammy Guevara loves taking moves. Darby Allen loves taking moves, right? Like That man's insane. Crazy. But like, and I I don't know, I've talked about this before, but like, I wrestled CJ Otis in uh, uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, in front of Scott Demore, and I took a Saito suplex as high as I possibly could. Good. Like no yeah. neck, all head. And I don't know if I posted the video of it, but uh that same match where I wrestled that dude, he hit me with a a, a Joker plex. Yeah. The like it's half cravat, half hook under the leg. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I like just a took that puzzle straight piece. dome. Yeah. <laughs> he said straight dome. Yeah, just straight on my head. Oof. And I think somehow I broke my toe doing it too. Like, I don't, I don't even know how, but like, I landed on my head, but also slammed my foot on the ground. So the combination, oh. it, was, it was a hot mess. Oh. But like, it was the end of the match. So I was there for it. Totally. Cause it went, I took the steel grating straight into the Joker Plex into a, like, a blast of a knee. I was like, cool. This will get a, this will get a good finish. Oh, I love it though. That's, yeah. Like I said, passion for the craft. I, I can respect that for sure. That that is because I hate. I always hated watching WCW back in the day, and you see like, like, I don't know, Disco Inferno take. It's supposed to be a face bump, and he takes it on his hands and knees. I'm like, what are you doing, yeah. man? Come on. Best believe if it's a face bump, I'm spiking on it. I'm here to die. <laughs> see now, I will say, if someone takes like an X Factor and they do a head bump on it, I'm like, come on, man. You're trying too hard. There are times when it's when it's uh, justified, I do a way over the top spike bump <laughs> and I just stay in a headstand mm-hmm. for an obnoxiously amount of long, long amount of time. See, I, uh, I'm jealous. I took, I took a cutter and I just stayed there for like five seconds to the point where the dude had to push me over to pin me. Now that's, that's impressive because, <laughs> and it, it was an accidental too long to where it almost got a comedic laugh from the crowd when it was supposed to be a little serious of a moment. Nice. But at the end of the day, like I wouldn't have changed it. It was the greatest <laughs> thing ever of just spiking and staying there. Yeah. No, I, uh, I've done you know, like tilt to world head scissors DDTs and I'm like, I want to stay there. I just want to like plant and stay there. And it never happens. I always too much momentum, flip over or, you know, come back. On the tilt whirls, I'm a huge fan of taking it, landing on my feet, taking a step and then just face bumping. That's that's fair. Yeah. As long because as long as you don't overuse the, the feet. Oh, is, he did did he reverse it? 
I land straight on my feet, take a step, and then just fall back over. <laughs> nice. I like it. Well, we've gone uh, – if, if you go off our actual conversation, we've gone for like an hour and a half. But if you go off the recorded conversation, it's been like 70 minutes. But Good. I want to make sure I ask another uh, – a few other questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't broken the seal yet. The whiskey is making me use the restroom, but I haven't gone yet. Um, Lightning round. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Goals. Other than uh, YouTube uh, top 10 and a uh, match with me, what are what do you want to accomplish? I mean, I just want to ride this crazy wave of a dream as far as I can. Like, I just want to wrestle everywhere and anywhere. Wrestling super cool, man. Um, I just like to do the grapples. Um, <laughs> I like it. I just, I don't like to phone it in. So I will literally wrestle anywhere, everywhere. I want to make it overseas eventually. Um, obviously that's on pause. Right. Uh, right. That was looking hopeful for this year until this year happened. Uh, I would really like Europe. Uh, Japan is obviously a, a goal that I think almost everybody has. So those are probably my big ones or just, you know, get out everywhere, have a blast. Have you, sure. have you talked to anyone from WXW? Uh, not specifically the, my big contact, uh, that was giving me contacts was, uh, Shug, Shug D, Sugar Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pineapple Pete. Yeah, Pineapple Pete. Shout out Pete. But, Minus now COVID also. Right. He's been like living six months a year out there for the past year or two. Oh, okay. Nice. So like he spends half his year in uh, the UK slash Europe in, as a general like whole. Um, so I was talking to him and he was going to hook me up with a handful of promoters that I'd reach out to, you know, see if I could build a tour out of it and make it over that way. Um, obviously reaching out to WXW would have been a, shoot my shot 2020 goal yeah but then everything caught on fire starting with australia and then you know it just went downhill from there (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i don't know it's interesting because you look at sports and a lot of people are you know let's say uh, your sport is canceled for 2020 essentially that means that you have uh i don't know salvaged a year of your professional career right right not the case in pro wrestling yes <laughs> so if anything it's probably helped most of us oh you think so i do um especially number one it levels the playing field in my opinion like everybody's starting from scratch for the most part um we're not bumping as much because like i just said i'm willing to take dumb stuff like i don't know if my body has ever felt it, I'll call it 85% like I am right now. Okay. In a long time. Like, I'm still an old man at heart, but bumping, you know, five times and then not wrestling for a month, it obviously has its disadvantages of you're not getting the ring work as often, um, especially if you don't live close to a ring. But right. it leveled out the playing field, like I said, because at the end of the day, unless you're a top, top guy, like everybody's at the same level right now, you have to hustle your face off and try and get out there more than ever. Once it does get in full swing of things. 
Um, and like we talked about earlier, wrestling isn't really an age thing if you can figure out how to entertain. So right. I'm only 26. I still, if I really want, have another 14 years if it comes down to it easy. You look at AJ Styles, he's what, 40 years old? 41, 42. 41, 42, and he's still having the matches of his life. He wrestled The Undertaker, man. That's cool. Totally. In a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm but- still angry he didn't come out to Roland, though. That's beside the point. But like I said, I still technically, as long as my body's in shape, have 14 more years. Um, but it all could end tomorrow, but like career could be over when i blow my knee out i mean that's wrestling right but yeah but it with the way styles are going and entertainment's going careers are extending like you look back at old wwe when you were 30 years old you know you were getting pushed to the shelf because you're an old man that's exactly right yeah well i mean i guess that's why i brought up um you know like promos and and vignettes right i mean i think um now is especially the time if you can't travel to the uk or japan or whatever because of obvious restrictions you've got to have a a way to put yourself over and i think that even if it has nothing to do with a match you have this weekend if it's just i want the fans to know who my character is plain and simple doesn't have to be about anything i mean to your point about sketch comedy doesn't have to be about your your opponent this weekend just what is a day in the life of Bradley Prescott look like? You know? Yeah. One of the things I thought about with your character, which it was just, I mean, whatever, like let's say the majority of your shows are at 5 PM on Saturday, 5 PM on Friday, whatever. What happens if you have a show at like noon and like you haven't started drinking yet? Quote unquote, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, are you a completely different character? It, it should be, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, it's happened like that when people book me later on in cards. I definitely come out in the beginning way more hammered, right? Um, and I even like look straight at Rome Cam and say they shouldn't have put me on this late. I'm way too many deep. <laughs> um, totally. But like, like you should be terrible in the ring. There's <laughs> noon. <laughs> like, like you're scared of everything. You know, you can't actually. Like, you've ever seen a uh, beer fest? Yes. So you know how, like, uh, what's his... Ah, shit, I forgot his name, but, he like... He only plays drinking games better when he's drunk. Yeah, should be the exact same. You should be yeah. terrible in the ring at, like, noon. I mean, that's literally the goal. There was uh, one show I wrestled. I filmed a couple promos for him, but then I filmed the one literally uh, the day of, like, an hour before call time, where... I had my roommate come and wake me up off the floor with scattered natties around me. And he was like, hey, man, are you going to that show? And I was like, wait, that's today? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, is that? And I literally named off all like 18 of my opponents who were in a giant ladder match. And he's like, yeah, that one. He's like, cool. That's can awesome. You drive? I'm going to grab beer. Can we stop by the liquor store? He's like, yeah, we can stop. I'm like, cool, let's go. Nice. That's awesome. But, I mean, the I'll call it the micro content is what gets you over these days. Like, you probably just saw uh, Warhorse. Yep. Another name drop. He's a super cool dude. Um, I got to wrestle him for Paradigm Pro Wrestling for the Independent Wrestling.tv Championship. Nice. Um, and, like, he is one of the best micro content people ever. Once quarantine started, totally. he started a quote-unquote radio show 
and he just has people call into his radio show and he talks about heavy metal and ruling ass. And uh, like Effie is another one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so good. He created a Twitch stream and he just streams all the time now since he can't be wrestling. And he's probably making, if I had to guess, probably almost as much money as he is wrestling off of Twitch. (laughs) See, and that's the kind of stuff you need to do. Like, go to, I mean, kind of different with COVID. You can't exactly go to like a frat party, but you can stage one. You know what I mean? Those are the best shows to get booked on when you were me. It is literally insane. I've wrestled at a fraternity before. They don't want to watch wrestling. No. They just want to watch the greatest hits of 1999 WWE. <laughs> and that's what I can provide. And it's the greatest thing ever. I just hit my RVD moveset, which I hit anyway. And then my John Cena moveset. And those two put together with beer equals I am God. <laughs> it is insane. Right. That's the Contra code. That, and uh, then there's another really good company over in Ohio, Ohio Wrestling Alliance. They were they actually ran a show on Ohio State's uh, campus, or just outside of it. Wow. One of their bars. I bet that's great. And literally, I wrestled a match against Marion Fontaine, and we didn't do anything. But I hit a stunner as the finish when that's usually in my shine, because, you know, shit on the stunner. Who, <laughs> who hits stunners? Um... <laughs> But I hit a center as the finish and got the world's biggest ovation in the world. And the owner of the bar, the only thing he wanted from this entire show was to Stone Cold Steve Austin me where he got to be Mark Eaton. And he just wanted to throw me beers after I won my match. Oh, that's awesome. That was his only rule with like the entire show. He goes, hey, can I just throw beers to that guy when he wins? So the promoter had to book me to win just so I could have my own beer bash. But it had to be Natty Light. Yes, that was the rule. They didn't even sell Natty Light at that bar until (laughs) I wrestled, and they brought it in for that day alone. I tell you what, you should be sponsored. I mean, I've I've, I've seen you interact with their Twitter, but yeah, yeah. we're I mean, you're good friends. You're Uh, basically a sales rep. I happen to win some contests, um, and I get free swag a lot. And there's other companies who are affiliated with Natural Light who really like me too. So I get a ton of free clothes and like free swimsuits. Um, Hell yeah! But the day where I get free beer on the regular is probably another one of those when I finally succeed. Hell yeah! I mean, that's yeah. It doesn't even matter where you're at at that point. Exactly. <laughs> like, like I get free beer. Pfft. Yes, I've arrived. I've arrived. I mean, at the end of the day, my goal is uh, to be sponsored by Natural Light and make it to Ring of Honor. That's okay. that's where I see a, a high quality glass ceiling for me. See, that's up the road for me. I can show up to that because I see myself. I don't know how much of their product you watch, but uh, I see myself as the little Spike Dudley for the bouncers <laughs> because the bouncers are two good wrestlers, but they're so big, you never get to see them bump, and right. you don't need to see them bump. But they need a bump guy totally. And Ring of Honor has a trios division. So why am I not the little drunk dude who wants to be a bouncer when I'm not a small guy, but I mean, I'm just under six foot, 200 pounds. Like they're six foot, 300 plus pounds. So I'm just trying to be like the bouncers being all cool. And I'm just the one who takes the dumb bump for them. You could, you could film, you could film some interesting stuff, kind of pitching that idea. more yeah, or less. Right. 
and uh what was it uh mighty ducks 2 yeah i don't know you're well versed in that come but, on uh, when the, all right good the bash brothers yes. when they take on uh the i keep want i want to say kenny kawaguchi but that's the kid in the wheelchair from backyard baseball but uh <laughs> they take but on the little asian about. kid yeah 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 and he gets to join because he's starting to fight with a dude on the other team that's right so they bring him into the bash bros are you sure that's d2 is it D3? It might be D3. No, D3 is when they go to college. D2 is when they're playing for uh, Team USA. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me. Sorry. I, I know my... Uh, you're, you're Emilio my, Estevez. My Gordon Bombay. And the, yeah, Emilio <laughs> Estevez knowledge. Emilio. Wow. Well, on that note... Um, <laughs> so, sorry, I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. Did you want, did you want to drop an F-bomb? I don't want to... Nah, we're we're good. We'll we'll save it. We use we used our one. Okay. So we'll keep Sorry. it PG thirteen. Sorry, no. I blew it. No, we are more than good. There was never a never a high spot. It wouldn't have made sense. It's like, you know, just hitting a standing fiend at six thirty on a dude <laughs> off a chair in the middle of the ring. You know, sometimes sometimes you don't need it. True. Okay. Fair enough. We'll save it for round two, which we'll there definitely we have. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Dylan will want to be a part of round two. He'll probably have his follow-up questions. So uh, we're Good. just going to have to schedule that. I'm here for it. But, sir, I sincerely appreciate the time. Uh, I'm sorry that I took you away from that sweet Georgia living. Uh, I was actually watching uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. It is now on Hulu. Okay. You should go watch it. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. And it's about, I don't know if you know what it's about. I do. Okay, well, then I won't waste your time. <laughs> but it's now on Hulu, so it's free. I wasn't going to waste the $5 on it in the first place because I'm a cheapskate because I'm a wrestler. Right. But uh, definitely I'm going to go back to the Georgia rain because it's raining because it's hurricane season or something like that right now. Yep, that's a thing. And I hope you have a wonderful night and a wonderful till I talk to you next. And I greatly appreciate you having me on the podcast. Dude, absolutely no problem at all. And thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. Good luck to you. And I look forward to following up with you soon. Heck yeah. I appreciate it, my guy. All right, man. See ya. I think you guys are going to watch WrestleMania 3 one episode and you just didn't watch it at all. You just shot <laughs> shit for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really self-serving, to be honest. Like, I could care less if anyone listens to it. And like, for some reason, people do. But like, because like, I don't know, for us, um, that was kind of always our way, our way to connect, you know, with each other was yeah. just just watching wrestling and just kind of shooting shit and whatever comes up comes up and um so so yeah it's it's really our way because he lives in michigan and i i live in virginia now and so it's it's our way to stay connected for the most part yeah and like i said it's, it's great i've enjoyed i think i'm 